All right, welcome to another episode of Shoot the Defense. I'm your host, Stel. I've got Steve and Rod as ever. Gentlemen, how are we doing? I'm good, Stel. You okay? Yeah, a little bit um, sure shocked with what's been happening in the world recently, football-wise especially. But we'll go into that in a, in a minute. You good? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. Rod? We haven't started talking about Brighton yet. You don't have to go. Ah, there he is. You disappeared there for a second. Say again, yeah. I said you disappeared for a second. You're right. Yeah, you? Yeah, no, well, a few complaints, a few complaints. First of all, um, before we start, I just want to say something about Marvin Morgan, who passed away today. I was absolutely stunned to hear the news. Um, Marvin was a, was a former player, played for Shrewsbury and Plymouth. He created Fresh Ego Kid, did a lot of stuff for mental health awareness and, and, and a lot more. And um, this came left field. I, it came as a massive shock to me. I don't know about you guys when, when you heard the news. Um, no? Absolutely. Especially age 38, mm. you know, I wasn't aware of any illness and you know, I don't, I don't know the cause of death, but obviously thoughts to, thoughts, you know, of him, and then thoughts to his immediate family at this time. But obviously, don't know much about it still. No, I, I, I'm, like I said, I don't know anything. And to be honest, I don't, I don't want to be going on Twitter and social media and, and looking for reasons how or why he died. We, I think that those are the kind of things that should be kept, you know, um, personal to his family and. Yeah, let's just hope that um, you know his family's his family can grieve. There you go. Um, the other the other thing I want to discuss, and um, it's a, it's something that is, is hit close to home for me. Um, over the weekend, a friend Jason Punchin was subjected to a lot of racial abuse. Now, Jason plays in Cyprus for a team called FC Buffer, and uh, they played Upperwell, who are undoubtedly one of the biggest, if not the biggest team in Cyprus. And um, I didn't know, what, I, I didn't know what happened until a friend of mine messaged me. He goes, did you hear what happened with Punch? I'm like, no. And he sent me a link to an interview that he gave post-match. And he was saying that there was monkey chanting from certain sets of supporters. And um, Punch said in the, in the many years he's been playing football, over 500 games, he's never heard that ever, ever. And for me, it's, it's an embarrassment to the people on my island. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, he's, no one deserves that kind of uh, treatment. But what's happened since has been nothing but a clusterfuck. It's been a fucking mess. The club whose fans... Well, in fact, the, 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 let me just get it straight. The, the director of communications of the club came out at full time and said... We're going to investigate this because in Cyprus, you can't just buy a match ticket. You need something called a fan card, which basically means that you've got your vaccine and you provide your details, name, address, etc. And they know who's buying the tickets and you, they know where you're sat. So they said, we're going to look into this. We don't, um, we don't condone any of this. We'll, we'll investigate it. And lo and behold, this morning, the same, very same club on Twitter put out a long statement saying, you know, Jason Punch had no right to say what he said. 
he's he's in no uh, place to talk about ethics when he's the guy that was arrested in 2017. Um, he also called Neil Warnock a crook, so he shouldn't be shouldn't be discussing this. It, it's you know it's, it's got nothing to do with him. Now, fast forward a, about an hour later, Punch's club then came out with their own statement and said, "Well, this is the club." who um, failed to condemn the, the criminal uh, abuse and assault on kids. Now, for people that don't know what happened a couple of weeks ago, um, FC Buffalo played Upwell in an, in an under-19s game. And there was a fight between Upwell's fans and some of the staff at Buffalo, where the, the Buffalo head coach was, uh, he sustained head injuries um, some of the players, the under-19s, were, were attacked and nothing was done about it. Nothing was said. It was just almost as if it didn't happen. So basically what Buffalo said, well, you guys are quick to condemn Punchin for what he said, but you didn't condemn your your fans for, for what had happened. Um, but what struck, what struck a chord with Punch was the terminology used by Abuel. And in the statement, they used um, a word uh, to describe... How can I put it? His his assault that he was arrested for in 2017. They used the word weapon, right? But the word that they used in Greek for weapon derives from the word gun. And for those reading the statement, it's almost as if they're insinuating that he used a gun instead of a weapon. And this is spiraling out of control at the moment. Punch has actually put out a statement on, on Instagram and I'm I'm pretty sure this is going to end up in court because it's um, it's gone too far. And this is a club. Now, listen, I, I support their crosstown rivals, Omonia. I can't stand up well. For me, they're disgusting. You know, you're talking about club rivalries. This this is a deep rivalry. It's not about football. It's about politics. It's about there's a lot of things. A lot of clubs in Cyprus are, have been created from political ideologies, and there are a lot of Upwell fans, I'm not saying the majority, I'm saying that there are sections of them, the ultras, who are right-wing nationalists, extremists, who have taken Nazi flags into the stadium over the years. It hasn't happened recently. Back in the, well, 20, I'd say 2010, 2011, to 2013, they were taking Nazi flags into the stadium. Some fans were coming in with jackets, with swastikas, sewed on their jackets. In fact, there was a story, I don't know how true this is, but it was publicised in Cyprus, whereby some of these ultras went to Auschwitz and they draped the Nazi flag and actually made a music video, right? So these are the levels of people that we're dealing with here. Um, but as a, as a Cypriot, I'm proud of my background. But to see this happening is not only deplorable, but it's embarrassing for our people. There's only a million, million of us on the island. It's not a big island. Everyone knows each other in some way, shape or form. And look, corruption is rife in Cyprus. We know about it. We've seen referees having bombs put in their cars, set off for giving bad decisions. This isn't a joking matter. And I said to Punch today, be very, very careful what you say in your statement. Go to your solicitor. Make sure it's kosher because there could be repercussions. And I'm just hoping that UEFA get their fucking asses in gear and do something about this because it's all well and good talking about it in the Premier League, right? Because, you know, we, we hear about it a lot. But it also happens in different regions across Europe and throughout the world. But these isolated incidents 
get swept under the carpet because of the size of, of the island. It doesn't matter how big the island is, how big a club is. There needs to be repercussions and ramifications, and it needs to be dealt with ASAP. And I hope that Troy Townsend gets involved because he knows about it. I'm sure Punch is, is, is going to contact UEFA. This, this has gone on for, for too long. And this club that I'm talking about, they have <coughs> got the, the Cypriot FA in their pockets. And the sooner gets, this gets dealt with, the better. I've, I've spoken about this for six minutes. Um, I don't know what you guys make of it, the whole fuckery. Um, so please feel free to, uh, to, to share your opinions. Anyone? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mate. It was, it was, it was, and I put up a uh, mic on because it was coughing. You know, because he wasn't really heard about this if it wasn't for social media. I didn't see it until I've seen it on Twitter a couple of days ago or when it ever it happened because uh, this kind of stuff can get, get buried in, in them places. So, yeah, you say it's only a million people, mate, but it's only a small minority in it. So you just got to wean these, this minority out and get them out of the game because, you know, it's, I don't know how many fans were there, but I'm pretty sure it was a small, small group and a small minority. So it only takes one to be, uh, to be racist. But um, it seems like there's a little group of them, but it just needs to be out and needs to be sorted. And, We've seen it before, you know, over the over the years now. These poor fines, UEFA and FIFA give clubs, so it's not really a deterrent. So I, I don't know. I don't know what what what, what goes on. We seem to talk about it every other week or every other month. Now it's, it's kind of getting boring, to be honest. Um, it's just boring. You know, football and you know. People in New Orleans. So I'm not meaning for no one. So I understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. But um, even though as a kid I was racially abused, and I understand why they're doing it and kneeling. But yeah, I'm not meaning for no one. So <coughs> everyone's each in their own, and you know, everyone deals with it differently. And like you say, Jason, careful what he says because he's in you know foreign territory. And, and just get through it, and, and like I say, get the, the minority out, and um, and just you know. Steve, what what what's your take on this? And, and the reason why I, I want to elaborate on this a little bit because it goes back to what I was saying about the statement made by the club, um, you know, citing Jason's previous. Uh, issue, so to speak. I mean, the, the word that they use is called is is the word they use for weapon is obloforia, which basically comes from the word oblo, which means gun. And what it seems to me is that they're trying to spin it so that they're making it seem that the weapon that he was using to get arrested was a firearm, when in actual fact it's the word weapon that they're using and. <coughs> It just appears that what they're trying to do is spin it so that if there is any legal, uh, like for example, a character assassination, if it does go to court, for example, and you know the the, the, um, the prosecution say you know you're using this term to insinuate that he used the gun, they will say, well, no, we use the correct word for weapon, but it's almost as if they knew full well what people would assume. Do you know what I'm saying? 
I do, yeah. Well, I think that um, tit-for-tat exercises and diversions and, and going back in time, dragging up um, historical true events are, are, are bad enough. Um, dragging up historical things and then embellishing them or lying about them um, is obviously, you know, as you say, deplorable. But I just think the attention that it brings, a bit like a wound, Stel, uh, nobody wants it in the first place and it happens often organically but at the same time you some, sometimes need the wound to happen to know how to heal it and how to fix it and there seems to be a massive swell around the world now for you know some 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 fairness uh at times justice and i don't think there's ever a time that this will get easier and in the moment it will be quite raw for the ones involved but I do think it has more support than ever. And in terms of raising awareness, I do think there's a generation lost who will be uh, not necessarily racist, but they'll be certainly, shall we say, setting their ways. I think there'll be a generation somewhere in the middle that are happy to change and mend their ways. And I do believe there's a generation underneath us that will be all being brought up to behave correctly with the correct mindset so i do believe that this can be a success but not completely but sadly it's going to keep taking like like a lot of things in life it's going to take wounds trauma incidents to happen which isn't great for things to get better because i do believe the swell of support surrounding these issues now is, is obviously bigger than ever i've experienced in my life before Exactly. Well, I'm just glad that my team came out with their own statement saying, well, we're not surprised that Abwell re refused to condemn their, their racist supporters because it is, it's rife. But anyway, it is what it is. Let's, let's move on. We've done 14 minutes. Of yeah, don't, they have, don't, they have a black, don't they have a black player playing for them themselves? They've got three. three. Three were playing at the time. Three on the pitch at the time, yeah. Just obviously, just it's education. That's all. It's just you know, it doesn't matter what team they're playing for. You know, they are racist, and it's education like says says there'll be a group now of uh, will be racist for the rest of their lives. But there's a, there's a young group that you can still reach out to and, and still change minds. There'll always be people that be racist, but you just need to cut them out and get them out of the game and. You'll do it eventually and slowly, but you know, it's just one of them processes that, that's painful and we've got a few wounds to get through it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get over to the, the Premier League then. Actually, no, before we, before, we, uh, <laughs> before we talk about the Premier League, haven't Preston sacked their head coach, Steve? You're gonna, yeah. I think, you know, they... I've watched a lot of Preston, he's always felt like a caretaker manager in the role. Um, he was an assistant that stepped up and he never really had the faith of the supporters um, age in, in, a, in a pair of shorts no real manager presence no real you know, brand of football which supporters almost demand these days it's difficult at Preston in that tough division of the championship and I think they uh, were bored the Preston North End fans of his existence and then just a little bit like Solskjaer, when they were the the natives were getting restless, they managed to go and get a good result at a game I was at at Middlesbrough, um, and they picked up a little bit. And they keep doing it. They keep they keep toing and froing from 
form to inconsistency to bad form, but I, I don't think the Preston fans have done him any favours. They've had a local Lancashire derby this weekend against Blackburn Rovers, who were flying high, overachieving and lost. And I think that darkened the mood even more so. And uh, I've read tonight that he's gone uh, about an hour and a half ago. And in, actually, still, I'm, I'm at Preston v Barnsley on Saturday. So I'm interested to see if they've got a new manager in time or equally what the mood's like around the stadium now they've got rid of the manager. Handing your CV, mate? I won't be, no. But I, um, you know, I've looked at it and, uh, you know, it's a good club, a good job. Football in the North West, Rodri will tell you. You know, the, the, the supporters, are, 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 I think, are, are quite fair, but love the football. They come out in the numbers. They've not been in the Premier League, but they're a good club, Preston, who should be doing just a little bit better, but I don't know what their expectations are. I could possibly see them going for uh, Ryan Lowe at Plymouth, who's northwest based, but he's took himself out to Plymouth and he's got an attacking style of football, we're led to believe, and he's had a promotion with Derry and Plymouth. Um, I could see them going for Ryan Lowe. He's got a really good relationship with the, the Plymouth chairman by looks and there's what watching um I'm sure you've seen it as well, Football Focus or, or one of these programmes where it was about Plymouth and, and you know the, the chairman's obviously got aspirations of getting in the Premier League, but I'm sure everyone has. But um it seems like he's backing him there, but obviously, you know, if, it, if it's a good deal and it gets him back up north west, it's probably too much to turn down. But yeah, it's not been mentioned to be a good offer. It's not on the table or anything. It's just, um, you know, it's just my my instinct that um, I don't think Preston will go down. Uh, but you know, they are hovering around the bottom places, and they could easily drop down. And I think they just want some type of bounce, enthusiasm, style of play, and probably a younger manager like Stroke head coach. And when I looked at it before, I had half an hour thinking about it, and, and Ryan Lowe's the name I've come up with. Yeah, well, Barnsley Bar- have got a new head coach. They've got the, the former Swedish under-21 head coach. They, he, he got appointed a couple of weeks ago. They drew against Huddersfield, I think, at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of young, good coaches out there. You know, Michael Flynn, he, he's available, did a good job at Newport. Um, there's a couple of us. But, yeah, Ryan Lowe's done a good job as well, obviously, at Berry and, and now at Plymouth. I think what they all look for, they, they see young potential uh, and what they're doing at the time, but... This has never been any different, lads, but I think if you're an owner, a chairman, an investor, you are swayed by somebody who's had a promotion and he's had two. Even though Berry are no longer in existence, um, he's had two promotions and, and, and that really goes in your favour when you're competing against others for the job. There you go. All right, let's talk about the Premier League then. And Arsenal tonight went to Everton, who were winless in nine, if I'm not mistaken. And Everton get the, the points. Richardson could have had a hat-trick had it not been for two very close VAR calls. Arsenal, what, what can I say about Arsenal, man? Going forward, they looked absolutely toothless. They took the lead through Odegaard against the run of play. And, you know, Everton were constantly doing the running, creating opportunities. Uh, went to, well, they went, uh, they went, they equalised, sorry, through Richardson. And then Odegaard had a chance where it was probably easier to hit it with his right foot, but he went with his left. His shot was blocked. And then there goes Damari Gray in stoppage time with a lovely run from inside his own half, unchallenged. Tomiyasu backed off. White backed off. The ball bobbled a little bit before he struck it, which probably made it easier. But what an absolute hit. And then even before that, Nketiah had a chance. Close range, hit the post. I don't know how he managed to do that. And right at the end, Aubameyang 
had a great chance. And again, his, his goal-scoring record has been abysmal this season. He, he dragged his shot wide. But gentlemen, um, balance of play, I think Everton fully deserved that victory, no? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, most definitely the second half. The, the pressure they were putting on Arsenal and, you know, they're literally the the to by toenails we're talking about by offsides. It's just, just the smallest of margins. And um yeah, fully deserved it. And then yeah, Arsenal seemed to have fell off a cliff again. Seemed they had, they had a good spell and, and yeah, it's um two defeats on the bounce and, and they need to turn it around quick because they're not all sold there at Arsenal. There's a few haters I can see at Arsenal and, and they'll be, be loving it. You know, trust the process and all this rubbish I see. And so, yeah, it's, it's fuel for him. And, and um, obviously, he needs to turn it around. He's got a young squad there and he hasn't got much to work with. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. But, you know, Everton as well, after a bad result against Liverpool, you know, best way you can turn it around is playing your next game and getting a result and they've done that and they've done it very emphatically at home as well Steve how did Arsenal not come away with at least a point obviously they missed their opportunities but these are clear cut chances which they should be putting away no? Steve you can't hear mate you can hear yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you quite rightly said the centre forward of Bamiang has got a record that's very poor this year I don't believe this to be an insult uh, but his performances are milky um, almost feather-like um, you're not expecting anything from him anymore uh, so that shows you well I'm not anyway um, the manager I think is milky um, when he tried to show passion and show that he was tough and up for it he made himself look silly on the touchline against Jurgen Klopp and in, in Ben White when uh, it's going for him in, often in home games and they're bringing the ball out from the back, he looks a modern-day player. But when somebody like Richarlison wants to manhandle him like he has done tonight, uh, Duncan Ferguson style, I've got to say, um, then he looks milky too. So you've got the one in defence, you've got one up front, you've got one on the touchline, and they just look soft. Um, soft normally brings in consistency. It doesn't necessarily always bring misery. Because occasionally soft can be quite good, but often it'll let you down. And I think Rodri summed it up perfectly. They got destroyed Everton against Liverpool, and that's their, their main fixture of the season at home. And I think it showed tonight that they're an honest set of players deep down. They were just outclassed by Liverpool. For me, it showed they liked the manager because they knew if they lost tonight, the manager would be seriously taking some heat. And they love playing for these supporters who were, who were good football supporters. And whoever they turned up against tonight, apart from it being possibly City or Chelsea, I believe Everton would have given a good game to tonight just through, just through effort. And that's what's happened. Should Godfrey, Godfrey have seen a red for that stamp on Tommy Asu? Was that completely innocuous? Oh, well, I don't, I, I'm not convinced by Godfrey or Holgate. I think they played the game on the edge. And because they are not actually physically strong enough or technically good enough, I think they risk yellow and red cards by leaving sneaky challenges in as opposed to being honest and full and you know full full hearted um i don't trust the integrity of godfrey and holgate so i'm not convinced so uh, that was 
going on my stream at the moment. It's crazy. Um, Rod, what now for Everton? It's a good victory for them. As you mentioned, they um, lost to Liverpool, but they've bounced back with a, with a good victory against Arsenal. Clearly, their squad does look like it needs more additions. Um, I'm not too sure what's in store for them for the rest of the season, though. Well, it's, it's difficult in the season. You've got you've got you know United and Tottenham uh, fighting out for the fourth. You've got West Ham doing really well. You've got Aston Villa who have picked up since Stephen Gerrard have got their Newcastle who are paying money with Super Ede. So um, you know Leicester have dropped a bit, but they'll come back. So you know it, it, it's difficult, but you know Everton historically have usually been in, in, in the top top eight. So you'd expect them to. They do have spent a few quid in there in recent years. So you'd expect them to to bolster the squad if the players are available in January. I never like buying players in January because you don't really get you get good quality, in my opinion. You know, they always get the good players. They're either out of out of uh, out of um, favour at, at, the, at the the teams are out, or the, 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 you know, there's something else has happened. So you know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually wait till summer to get a good players in, but I'm sure they'll bring someone in January if, like I say, if there's someone available. But you know, it's difficult. They have got a good squad. They have got a decent squad. You know, Richarlison, Demari Gray since coming has been a revelation. Townsend on his day is really good. It's just midfield probably lack a little bit. Defensively, they could be a little bit stronger as well. But you know. Well, they're always going to score goals, and you know anyone can get beat off Liverpool United. They destroyed them. You know Liverpool destroyed a lot of teams this year. So, like I said before, you get over that, you dust yourself down, and you can't wait till the next game comes and, and try and perform. And like I said, they've done that, and they've just got to you know replicate that now because the games are going to come quick and fast. Christmas around the corner, so you know in a week you can get nine points or twelve points and be. Up amongst it again, so you know, you just got to keep that winning attitude and, and just go on from there. Now, I tell you what, Rod, I bet Everton were glad they were playing against Bournemouth's goalie tonight and not Arsenal. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's done well for him recently, but you know, he's, he's yeah. It's, he's always going to be he's always going to be carrying that same space for the fighting. cameras mate space for the he, cameras or was it Chesterfield or AFC Wimbledon's goalie in net for him tonight it wasn't it wasn't England's number one I know that <laughs> well for Demari's great yeah. Demari Gray strike I think it was just more like a statue you know, oh it? it was a, it was a, it was a good strike though well, a good mm. strike what did he have on what did the goalie have on though Timberlands <laughs> with, with ankle weight <laughs> <laughs> Steve, we could do an Arsenal post mortem all day, mate. To be honest, but um, well, they may we have to talk about. Was that um, was that good, Gooney then? Yeah, yeah Gooney. Yeah, we're having, we're, having, we're having Chelsea next. Or what? Well, that's what I'm saying. We could do a post mortem yeah, about they'll, Chelsea. They'll, 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 they made that. They made a hell of a load of fuss about the dive and amazing save that he made. The dive and the it was amazing that he made. Yet tonight he had concrete boots on, so uh, there's a bit of inconsistency there. It's a tad. All right, let's do a post one on Chelsea then. 3-2 loss at West Ham. End-to-end -end stuff here, but crikey. I'll tell you what, Chelsea defensively for all, all three goals. Wow. Uh, where, where do we begin? Where do we, shall we talk about Jorginho's um, mistake, which led to the penalty, the, the foul? 
Uh, shall we talk about, you know, uh, the winning goal in the last few minutes where Masaku hit? I think Masaku was that a cross? Was that a shot? That so much was, went wrong for Chelsea from defensive areas. And it's kind of uncharacteristic of them. But, Steve, I want, you, I want you to talk to us about the goals that Chelsea have been scoring recently because this is something that you said on um, the show last week about how Chelsea appeared to be more dangerous out wide, but through the middle, they're toothless. Once again, two goals from out wide, one from a set piece. I think uh, Mystic Steve is uh, is back on track again. Well, thank you, Stel. Well, well, nobody can really pinpoint why Timo Werner hasn't been hasn't scored any goals since he's come. He was prolific abroad. We have to say that Lukaku wasn't prolific before his injury. You know, he was. Uh, you were waiting for him to really catch fire and he wasn't doing it in, in the big games. And then you look at Chelsea's goals, uh, the better when Mason Mount plays. They are outstanding scoring uh, flick headers from corners. Um, and they constantly put great balls into the box from Chilwell when he plays, Alonso when he plays, and Reese James when he plays. And scoring from across is beautiful, but it's so hard to do. And they should really be your bonus goals because you're coming in from the side of the penalty area. I know Liverpool do that a different way with Salah. But the best goals, the easiest goals, are when you come in the front middle of the penalty area. That's where the strikers get 20-25 goals. They get the poachers' finishes. They get the defenders making mistakes. They get the 1v1s. Lift it over the keeper. Lift it through the keeper's leg. Put it through the keeper's legs. They don't score goals like that, Chelsea. So, for me, City and Liverpool are better and that they're a part of Chelsea because they score goals through the front middle of the penalty area, whether it be Jota or Firmino or Mane or City's array. Chelsea don't score through the front of the penalty area. They score from the side. Great when they do, but it's not going to be enough. Rod, so is there a problem at Chelsea? Is there a problem? Is this something that we can say, you know, okay? They're not scoring a variety of goals from, from different areas of the pitch. Is, is it a problem? I mean, I'm looking at the amount of different goal scorers they've had this season. So I'm saying, eh, perhaps it's not an issue. But at the same time, when you have someone like Lukaku there, you're expecting him to be, to be banging in the goals. And granted, he's been injured and he's coming back. And I, I don't expect him to, to hit the ground running, especially when you're playing someone like West Ham, who defensively have been pretty solid this season. Yes, but you know, he's he's been there now what nearly a year. Who Lukaku? Yeah, no, no man. The, the manager. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so they're very defensively, very good defensively. They don't let in many goals, but you know, as as the the time goes on, more coaches can analyze how he plays, how they play, and and obviously, you know. Coaches against him are setting up differently and, and obviously playing a little bit better as well, I, I think. I always think, you know, after a bit, you know, this is the Premier League, so it's the best of the best. And, and suddenly people work you out and people try and... Now, now Lukaku's a big miss as well because he, he seems to bully the, 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 the smaller sides. But it is a worry when you're not getting goals around the team. You know, usually... Uh, <clears throat> well... Recently, Tottenham, uh, Chelsea have relied on players to pull them out. You know, Hazard uh, of, late, of late, he would you know pull them out of Maya every now and again when they needed something. But now they seem to seem to rely on Lukaku, and, and since he's been out, they, they seem to have dipped. But everyone goes through it a little bit of a, of a, 
a bad spell. Is this Chelsea's bad spell now? Would you want to rather get it out of the way now than later on? I always worry when, when teams are on fire now. And I think, you know, it's a long way to go. You know, it's May till the end of the season. And if they're on fire now, it's very rare that you stay on fire for another, what, six months? So, but Rod, you played the position. It, it looks like a graveyard shift for uh, Team Timo Werner, Lukaku, um, the goals that Trevor Chalabas scored, Rudiger scored, Alonso and Chilwell score, Reese James has definitely scored, Mason Mount scored. So the goals are spread around the team. No, but it, no, but they're all goals when they're up and the winner. Yeah. But what about, what about Kai Havertz? He's had four games at centre forward. He never gets any chances. They don't create anything in the middle. That's a style of play problem, not a form. Yeah, and like I say, coaches are getting more astute to it and just loading that that middle area. Yeah. And they, they just they have to create as more chances as they would like, and it's, it's difficult for him. So, do you think they can still? Do, well, do you, do you think they can win the Premier League? With what they've got and the way they're going, or do you think City and Liverpool have got more? I don't think I don't think they can win the Premier League. I think after looking this this, uh, I think you know they're still going to be in with a fight to the end because they still have quality. But you know, City and, and Liverpool are just getting that on that level from where they were two years ago. Mm. And can Chelsea keep up with that level? That's mm. the question. I agree. I don't think they can. Yeah, well. well Tuchel said that it was individual mistakes that cost them. Now, you look at the, the subs bench. They had Pulisic, they had Werner, they had Saul. Saul joined from Atletico Madrid and he came with a big reputation. It's he, not going to work, that one, is it? Well, this is it. And I'm thinking, I, I think Ngola Kante might be injured, hence the reason why he didn't play. Is he injured? Or, I, yeah. I don't know. Yes. Um, but look, West Ham did their homework. They played three at the back. They were absolutely solid. Zuma especially. It's almost as if he was, he was a man possessed. I know he came off injured. Um, but the likes of Bowen and Lanzini, two players who, again, they're not major names, but they rang Chelsea ragged second half. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the team very rarely stays the same. Um, and he, is, he, he, has, he has had a lot of acclaim, the manager, by changing games in play, spreading the team out, bringing them into the middle of the pitch, playing with two number 10s and altering. But you don't see City and Liverpool do that. You, re- you, you really don't. City are playing without a centre-forward. Liverpool are 4-3-3 every week. Uh, they've got speed, talent. They've got uh, substitute support. Uh, Chelsea still look like they are a great team. I want to say that. They're a great team. But they are still stumbling along trying to find their best team and formation. City and Liverpool aren't doing that. There we go. There we go. And what about the, the winner? Did he mean it? Probably not. What do you think, Rod? Which one? Massacres. Crossed at the near side. Come on, be, behave. Come on. How did you start this game? No, he didn't mean that. No, no, no. I've, I've heard some pundits, well, one, one pundit. I if think he meant know. that, why is he playing left back? I don't know. Yeah, he's left. No, it's, it's, it's one of them weird ones. As it took a deflection, I don't think it has, but no. he's just hit it. And I think he's just hit it. I think he's tried to quit one in because Antonio's made the goal for me. You know, we all, t- all t- told uh, as full-backs or as wingers, you know, to overlap, create the space. 
and he, Antonio's created that space and then he's tried to whip one in and he just caught one and it's just pinged it straight in. Side-footed though and it's how these balls react and the Mendy was already on his way onto one side and yeah, it was unlucky. But lucky, in a way. Alright, let's talk about Man United then. The, the... Sorry, Goonie. Ricket Ralph, as they call him. Ricket Ralph, he, he's coming. They he played this four-two-two-two system. United get a one-nil victory against Crystal Palace. It, it was um, hard work. In fact, Palace probably should have taken the lead through IU when he had that chance. I don't know how he missed. It's probably easier to to score than it was to miss. But Fred pulled a, a worldie out of his ass, and and Fred was all over the place. It's almost as if he's you know, a, a man possessed these days. He had a good game against Chelsea, good game uh, against Crystal Palace. But going back to what I asked about um, the Arsenal game, do you think Palace will feel a little bit aggrieved that they didn't come away with anything in that game? Not for no, me. No? Not for me, mate, no. No? No, I think United played well enough. They've always got the crowd. They've got new belief. A so-called new formation. I've got to say, I think uh, Dalot and Tellers have got an opportunity to embarrass Wan-Bissaka and Shaw. I thought the the overhyping of Shaw has been embarrassing by the whole country when he's only had a good six months in eight years at Manchester United. Everything Mourinho said about him, I agreed with. I don't think he ever did more than enough and I think he was reverting back to type. And I think Tellers now has got a better delivery and a more frequent delivery. And if United are going to play so many players in the middle of the pitch and the emphasis is on the only width coming from the full-backs, then Tellers, I believe, potentially can be better than Shaw. And Dallow can be potentially very quickly better than Wan-Bissaka. And the rest of the lads are benefiting from being in central areas. By the way, no, sorry, Stel. Palace, to, to lose 1-0 at Manchester United in any, in any season, including this, They've, they've, they've done all right with that. They couldn't have expected any more. Yeah, I just think that chance from, from IU uh, cost them. And this no. is a guy that hasn't scored in about 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, his XG, sorry, Steve, must yeah. be 0 0.01 or something like that. You know, he was consistently good, progressively good. And it was almost as a, a, a supporter who doesn't support Manchester United. I've gone through a, a lot of my lifetime expecting them to score late. Then I've gone through the last few years quite smiling to myself, thinking they're not going to score late. I'm now back thinking they'll score late. And that's what I thought yesterday. Mm. Rod, Rod, Michael Richards on Match of Day 2 was talking about intensity and tempo. And we did see that. We did see United pressing high. We did see Maguire and Lindelof, you know, 20, 30 yards further up the field when, when United were attacking and especially in wide areas, as Steve said, Tellers and, and Dallow were brilliant. But to see Sancho as kind of like a number 10 playing more central, how do you think he's going to fit into this system? No doubt he's got ability, but he's predominantly a wide player. And if United are going to stretch games with the fullbacks, what is Sancho going to be doing in the middle of the park? Can he, can he play that role? Yes. Um, by, by coaching, you know, these modern day footballers, especially, you know, he should be able to, in my opinion, but I, but with what I've seen of the first couple of months, no, but what I've seen in the, la in the last month, then yes, because he seems to be progressing uh, in, in a good way. And, you know, the coach obviously knows 
much about him because he's, he's been in Germany for a long time. So he'll obviously know his qualities and I'm sure he wouldn't have play, played in that position if he didn't think that he, that he could do it. You know, he, he, by all accounts, this Ralph Ragnick is no mug, so he can't come in and expect a player to, to put, do a play in the position that he doesn't believe that he can play in. So, yes, I do believe he can play in that position. It's just going to take time. And, you know, he's young, he's quick, he's exciting. He can go, each, he can go either way. He, he, he seems to be okay with his back against the, the, the back against to the goal as well. So, you know, he's good one-touch, two-touch football. You know, like I say, he's quick uh, and he's come on leaps and bounds in the, in the last month. Surely the goals do that, breed confidence and, and you can see it. So, to answer your question, yes, he can play that position, I think. All right, OK. Um, one final question then. We know United got a pretty decent run of games coming up. What do you expect from from the next three games? Well, you see, you see the, the run of games. You'd expect until we play City in February, you'd expect to at least win every single game of them. No, I know it doesn't work out that way, but, you know, on paper, if we're playing well and we're putting pressure on teams, you know, it makes sense to play Dallow and Tellez. If we're pressing high and we're getting more ball in, in a higher position, you'd want the, the best players to, to provide the best quality. Wambasaka doesn't provide you with the best quality of ball. Dalat, we've already seen it, he provides quality and you know an eye for goal. Tellez as well on the other side. So, yeah, I agree with, with Stez. It's, it's good that they've got their position now and they get a good run of games. It's always difficult when these get when these players come in and they haven't played for four or five months, and they come in and they're, and they're supposed to hit the road, hit the ground running, and they struggle and it's not easy. So it's good when you've had five six games, you're up to ninety minutes fitness wise, and you'll see that you'll probably see the best of them, and you've probably not seen the best of them yet. They're still probably not match fit because they've only probably played two or three games. But, you know, they are getting better and you can see the quality, especially from the wide areas. And like Stez says, if he's going to play that, you know, that 4-2, two, 2-2, two, two, whatever it is, 2, you know, it's, you need width with, with your with your full-backs and with their quality. And, and they've got the hot seat now, so it's it's in their, in their hands. Wonderful. All right. Liverpool beat Wolves 1-0. Um, Liverpool had so many opportunities. Um, I don't know how they only came away with one. There was Jota's chance where he went one. He had the whole goal to aim at, and he just smashed it. I think the occasion got to him. A lot of the fans were getting on his back, and I think this is a guy that wanted to prove a point and just smash it in and, and wheel away in delight, and you know, cover his mouth or whatever celebration he had planned. But Divock Origi came off the bench, and he seems to be Liverpool's sole shot at the moment. You know, he's done it quite a bit in the past few seasons. Um, but again, it was a difficult game for Liverpool. I noticed they played an even higher line than they normally do. And um, I'm, I'm surprised Wolves didn't get in behind them more than they did. But Modigny is always a difficult place to go to. And that's a very, very big win for Liverpool, isn't it? Well, it's a brilliant clean sheet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a brilliant win. And when you are a brilliant team, and you score in the 94th minute, you know, what that does to your dressing room, your training week, 
Um, you know, it, it's it's incredible, and it only really seems to happen to the top teams. You know, but they keep going. They penetrate until the last minute. They've got impact off the bench if they need it, and Liverpool are never out of the game. Just like Manchester United were, were just the same for twelve years. Um, City City haven't had to be at that point yet where they have to rescue something late. I'm sure they can if they need to. But Liverpool have shown on Saturday that they've got fitness, speed, endurance, quality, and they go right to the final whistle, just like the top teams do. Rod, no goal for Salah. No point, not, not many dream team points there either for us. Yeah, really. and the captain. Yeah. And the captain, yeah. team. Mm, that's yeah. Salah. Yeah. And I had Jota as my vice-captain. He's crept me past you and Des. That, that's <laughs> Salah. Yeah, he's, yeah, no, he's, he's in a... No, he's in a hot spot at the minute, and then you know, put him in a position, and he's going to score goals. So yeah, it's a scary thought, but it's a worrying thought as well because you know the African nations is only around the corner. But we don't know if he's going to go ahead with this new uh, variant. Might not go ahead. Yeah, true, but you know, you still got to prepare for it to, as if it's going going to go ahead. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that they're still preparing for it to go ahead. And, you know, until the news drops that it's not going ahead, it's still a big worry for him. You know, Mane, Salah, that's two-thirds of their, their attacking prowess that that they can't lose. Yes, Origi's come on and got him the late winner, but we've seen it before. He's not the best when, he's, when he starts game after game. He doesn't produce. He's not Salah. He's not Mane. So, hopefully for them... That, that, that it does get cancelled, but hopefully for the rest of the Premier League. Well, not even for the rest of the Premier League, because you want to see City give give City a good run for it. You don't want to see them run off of it. It's a good race at the minute with, with Chelsea just being there as well. So, yeah, you don't want to see City run off of it. So, hopefully, they can they can manage it while, while they're away. They've done it in the past, and, and they've done it well. So, hopefully, they can do it again, if it does mm-hmm. go ahead, that is. Mm-hmm. Steve, big win for Man City away at Oxford. Uh, Oxford. What is that, Oxford? Watford. Oxford. They say wear yellow kits, don't they? Um, but there's, there's two things I need to ask you. First of all, did you notice how wide City were playing? They were stretching the, stretching the play. I noticed Foden yeah. playing practically a, like, a, like a left forward. Uh, and on top of that, Sterling's goal. I know Silver's going to get all the plaudits and he deserves them. But Sterling's goal, it's almost as if you know, this is Sterling's trademark now, just staying on the edge of the six-yard box and being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, it's a great knack. It's a it's a skill in itself. Um, it How do they not pick him up? Surely they do their research. Yeah, you would you would think <laughs> so, but I just think that um, he, he there'll be loads of times he's in there and he doesn't get it and, and we miss it. But I just think defenders now are coached and trained um, to try and stop the cross. Uh, and they fill the zones. They basically cover the goal, um, and they'll do the job loads of times. But I think Sterling just keeps getting in there, in and around that back post, and he gets his look um, for all his endeavours. Uh, sometimes it deflects in his path, but he's <coughs> excuse me, he's just one of them players that he gets an outstretched leg. The bobbling ball goes to him. Other players could go in there a hundred times, and it never go to them. So he's got that knack, and I don't think he gets appreciated enough for it still. Steve, do you know what I've noticed? is, is a, a pattern that emerges with City every season, whereby Guardiola will start off with a handful of regulars. Mm. You don't know roughly the team lineup that he's going to put out, but he, he, he often plays four or five players who, who are just his guys, so to speak. 
At the beginning of the season, we are talking about, you know, Ronaldo Silva wasn't playing, Sterling wasn't playing. Possibly they could be leaving the club in January. And here they are, given their opportunities. Yeah. And, and they're not letting Guardiola down. So is this fantastic man management? Or is it the fact that he's utilising his squad to the best of its capabilities? Well, you can't put anything against this manager. He's capable of anything. anything he's capable of anything good. Um, you know, interesting, he played Grealish through the middle for large parts on Saturday. Sterling on the right and Foden on the left. Now, he often plays, you know, wrong footers on the other side. But I've noticed something. I've picked up on this. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I think when he recognises that the other team have got a slow centre-half, he plays full width with a right footer on one side and a left on the other to, to try and stretch the other team's back four out. Now, Harry Maguire is slow and Craig Cathcart is slow and City went full width and Gundogan and Grealish to run through the gaps that are so huge because they have all the ball, they swing the play and they have balance on both sides on both wide touchlines and that's what I'm going to keep my eye on because that's what I think they do. And for the rest of the squad, keeping them hungry. I, the thing is about Bernardo Silva leaving, he's supposed to be offered a make weight for Spurs, for Harry Kane, somewhere else, somewhere else. I never heard the player say it, so I was never convinced. And quite clearly now, if the season ended today, um, he would have one hand on the players' player of the PFA player of the year, and probably Mo Salah would have the other hand on it. And uh, they've been the two, they've been the two most outstanding players in the world. I'm going to say. Fantastic. Boys, let's talk about two particular games here, right? Let me just mention, he mentioned Sterling now. He said, it's no, it's no accident that how the ball always lands to Sterling. These huh? sort of players, they play, they grow up playing in cages or, you know, on the streets. So it's always bobbling. And so it's, it's no, it's no coincidence that, that, that Sterling's, that, it, he's grown up by doing that. And it's, like I say, it's no coincidence. And it, He's a proper live way. I messaged Stez when the game was on. He was a proper, you know, danger for Watford from, from the first whistle. And, and they just were on the back foot from, from the first whistle. And, and he was the, the, the leader of it. Brilliant. There you go. Fantastic. Um, boys, I want to talk about two games um, with two very similar incidents. There was Newcastle beating Burnley 1-0. Newcastle's winner coming from uh, Callum Wilson. Brilliant after, goal. After, you know, Nick Pope was, well, he, he held the ball and he clattered into share, dropped the ball and, and Wilson scored. And Aston Villa beating Leicester 2-1, coming back from behind, where Villa had the goal disallowed because the goalkeeper was Schmeichel in control of the ball. He had one hand on the ball. The law say if a, if a goalkeeper's got a hand on the ball and it's on the ground and it's like on a surface then he's in control of it. Now, this isn't sour grapes or anything, because obviously Rodri and I go back and forth with about Eddie Howe. But um, what was the difference between Callum Wilson's goal where, you know, Nick Pope had it in both hands and he fell and it and Cher was in his way, effectively obstructing him, to, to Kasper Schmeichel's incident? In fact, for me, Pope was more of a foul than, than Schmeichel. Am I wrong to interpret it that way? It looked like Kasper had, had more control of the ball because he had it spotted on the grass, flat, as, as opposed to the Newcastle that's, that's probably, yeah. because it was in flight. Right. I don't know. Okay. Had in both hands. So, so let, let me intervene here. So I've watched it this morning. And Which one? Like the Dermot Gallagher oh, watch. 
and the ball was not planted. The ball, when he kicked it, was off the ground. Okay. And, th and this is something that they went to VAR for, right? So Yeah, but it's only one other angle where you can see it, where other on the side angle, which they did not see on the TV on the, on, uh, as the match was going. But as you can see, it, the ball, because it, it's proper slow-mo, slow-mo. So sometimes these slow motions don't hurt help because Schmeichel on his hands for literally half a second. Mm -hmm. and, and in that time, it when he's touched it, the ball, it doesn't just stop, does it? Very rarely just stops. It usually bounces up once, and that's what it's done. And that bounce is when he kicked it. Okay. So, which one was more of a foul? And none, none, none of them are fouls for me. No. To be honest. No. But the way the game's going, obviously. But the the, 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 the Schmeichel one, I couldn't believe. I, I'm still in the thought process, thinking, wait a minute, has it got to have two hands on the ball? That's and what I that thought. That's us? what I thought. Mm, yeah, fair one. I'm not sure, mate. And when did that change? So, did you, do you get like when you're obviously coaching or managing? Did the did the managers get the new rules every year? Yes. New set of rules. Yes. Right. They go to a they go to a convention rod, uh, spend a day um, functioning, and come back and then report it all back to their own staff and players. Uh, probably with some literature, but yeah, they they go away and whatever's changed in the game, and then they have a day together, all all the managers and the officials. I don't know about the change. I don't know what's changed and what. I don't know what's right and what's wrong though. Yeah, apparently it's, it's rule twelve, whatever that means to anyone. There's there's so many so many grey areas in football, and you think with with this video coming in, everything to be black or white. And it's that's what I told you before when it's coming in. You're still going to get controversy because I've seen it before with the rugby. You, you're always going to get it. It's just, yeah, and it's, it's always going to boil down to one opinion, and that's the referee's opinion, what how he sees it. Mm. And a no referee might see it a different way. So we're just looking for that that thing that we always look for in football is consistency, consistency, and unfortunately we don't get it. Mm. Well, speaking of consistency, uh, Graham, um, Brendan Rodgers um, has spoken numerous occasions about his teams defending from set pieces and how consistently bad they are. And Villa's winning goal, I, I don't know what Soyuncu was doing. I don't know what Kasper Schmeichel was doing. The whole thing was a mess, wasn't it? And I, hey, listen, the, 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 the guy that scored the win, I praised Villa's new set piece coach for the goal. <laughs> Well, good for him because it shows you that there's some evidence that there's some work going on. Yet the commentary on well, that aiming, aiming back stick, yeah, aiming back stick. <laughs> but Mings went and, and occupied the two defenders, and and Suchik never even checked his shoulder to see. So basically, Mings uh, took care of two, um, and Concha came in at the back post and headed down into the floor. It'd be a disappointing goal to concede, but I was just interested to say that. There's a set play coach done the work and you get some fruits of your labour. Well done to him. But I also heard that Manchester United are the only Premier League club to not score from a set play this year, yet they've just employed one from Loughborough University for some reason to do so. So, um, swings and roundabouts. And Rod, anyhow, big win. Big, big win against his former club, even though he was only there for a cup of coffee. What will that do for you? Yeah, 18, 18, 20 months, you know. Yeah, we'll give us Long, a longer, than, longer than Mick McCarthy and all that. Oh, yeah. 
It's Mick McCarthy, what can I tell you? Um, but yeah, so what will that win do for, for Newcastle, mate, confidence-wise? Just confidence, mate, just confidence. And, and you know, let's... Wins breed confidence, and if you're constantly doing the right things and not getting, and not getting the, the results, you know it's, it knocks your confidence. So they've been, they've been. You can see it's turned a little bit there. They've scored a few more goals. Yes, they've been lucky with a sending off and the the, the free all draw, but now they you know they seem to have got one nil, one nil win. You know a tough win by all accounts, and and you know, they just you know on to the next game. You know soon it'll be January where they can. I'm pretty sure that they'll bring at least two, possibly three, quality players in that'll improve the squad, and you'll you'll see them rise up the table with with Super Eddie, you know, because he's only going one way. I think they might get a right back from Spain. I've just got a feeling, an English right back in Spain. Just got a feeling. Hmm. Okay. Cha ching. Fair enough. Well, is listen, goals win games, obviously. But Newcastle have only scored one in their last three. So that's got to be a concern, surely. Well, it's got to be two. They did have a man sent off very, very early against Norwich where you'd have expected them to score more than one and win. So they played most of that game with 10 men. Kieran Clark sent off and they should have scored more on Saturday. Uh, I'm certainly not convinced by them, but I think they're going to be fine still. Okay. Yeah, he left that out, didn't you, Stell? The man got sent off at nine minutes. Doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. How did Graham Potter do? Another draw. Well, listen, okay, let's, let's talk about that one then. Yeah. yeah because let, me, let me get the pillow one minute. Hang about, hang about, hang about. No, 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 let me finish, let me finish, right? Let me finish. Right? This, is, this is a guy who was under quite a bit of pressure a couple of weeks ago. You know, after the Leeds game, fans were booing him, whatever. But is that, listen, wait a minute, Stout, come on, is that pressure? No, uh, yeah, of course it is. No, he's, he's Will the fans built, turn built, on you? He's built an yeah. expectation from he his wasn't, fans. He wasn't feeling oh, he wasn't going to bed feeling for his job that night, was he? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And he shouldn't. He's, 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 he's got his bed like, oh, wait a minute, we're, we're, we're what, eight from the bit yeah. of booze. Okay, well, I'm, I'm doing something right because expect, expectations are high, so that's good. Yeah. But, you know, but with, ten, but with 10 men, but with 10 men, they got a goal in. I would in say, like, like Stell to Man United, to the fans, cool your jets, just, you know, relax and, you know, I'm just saying, I think I think they did well with ten men to score a goal in injury time, yeah. And the finish was brilliant. Yeah, Marcus, finish was wait, brilliant wait, wait, with a goal, when a team scores in injury time with ten men. Stead will tell you what, you what are you defending for. You're just going to throw the whole kitchen sink at it. You're not going to go and attack because you're going to defend it. It's just na- human nature. Still, you know they end up losing one. You didn't. You, you thought they did really well with ten men. Well, no, I think they did well to equalise with 10 men. But you didn't mention Newcastle played for 80 minutes with 10 men the week before. Yeah, but come on. Rodri <laughs> keeps telling us that Eddie Howe's is super you know, head coach. You, I expect you, it from, you, 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 from you, you, a team like Newcastle. No, 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 I'm just, oh. no, I'm just saying. Eddie, Eddie Howe is supposed to be this, this, this superb head coach. His team should be doing better with 10 men because he's so good. He's so progressive. Well, right? Eight, but he's great. But he's yeah, great. Yeah, long he time. did. He did. He drew again. He was unlucky not to win it. He huh? scored the last minute with Who? 10 men. Who? Brighton, yeah. Yeah, no. Newcastle went 1 0 up with and 10 men. And Pookie equalised. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you know, Brighton, ten men down, they're struggling. They, you know, they're, they're gonna away drop from like home a stone. And a, away from home and a they're gonna drop like a stone. The, the fans are gonna get on the, the manager's back because he, you know, he ousted them when they booed him, and that'll be it for him. Yeah, you'll see him. Sure. You'll see him in Cyprus in two years. Well, yeah, that's all right. Bring, bring him to Cyprus. Bring him to Cyprus. I've got no problem with it. A good point, Stel. They've got they've got good players, a good manager, and, and good resilience, and probably fans now who who, who are you know over expecting of, of where they actually should be. But you, you're right. It was a, it was a really good last minute goal. Good point. Good rescue. Well, listen, I, all I've got to say is right. You know, Eddie Howe. He's he's got a, a management team above him that have got ideas to to bring another manager in. He's not going to be there long term. No, but Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Howe's you know been promoted. He hasn't got someone else. You know, it's another team got promoted and then took over that job. Graham Potter's just you know come into a ready-made team of Chris Houghton. You know, nah. Eddie. Nah, no, he's, he's, he's a relegation no. candidate. It's the top ten. Mm. Come on. Chris and come on, he oh, kept him safe, kept him up, and then they oh, sacked him. Oh, and what happened? They sacked him because they were going to get relegated. Mm, no, they kept him up. Well, the following season they were going to get relegated, so they oh, got no, scared. No. Okay. Come on. You come could on see that. Come on, of course I could see that. No, Anyone could see no. that. No, I bet, joking aside, you know, like I said, he's got expectations high, they're playing well, they look well in the league, and the Brighton just need to kill the Jets because, you know, they are doing well and with a lack of strike force because they haven't got the best strikers up there. You know, with better strikers, I'm pretty sure they'd be even higher up. So hopefully they get one in in, in the January because uh, you know, it's only going to get harder when, when you're up there. Teams, you know, prepare better, uh, up for it better. I don't know why that is the case, but, you know, if the teams are up there, you know, they're, they're going to be ready for you. So it's going to mm. only get, get difficult, more difficult as it goes on. Steve, if Leeds had better strikers, would they be further up the table? Because Bamford came off the bench to score an equaliser. His, his first goal since, oh, since. I've got. I've got to say, I mean, Bernardo Silva, amazing. You know, we know this, but that was my favourite goal of the weekend. Bamford, that is proper old school. That last Five. minute, yeah. a corner. He shoves him in the back and he just sticks out his thigh and scores off the end. <laughs> Again, we talked about Sterling before. There's there's 500 players in the Premier League that couldn't score that goal. It's that hard to do. It's a skill to be in the right place, to have the right temperament. And just to score off your inner thigh in that moment, I was smiling, thinking, oh, like, good on you. Um, and it's a good job that he's back fit and long may it continue for them because I only saw a struggle without him. And I see better things, obviously, that he's back. Pro proven by his cameo. Mm. Well, look, it's it's a good point for Leeds given the circumstances. Obviously, they beat Crystal Palace the other day, and you know it's it's given them a bit of a, a, yeah. a boost. But again, Stephen, I know people are going to start saying to me, "You're picking on Bielsa again." But the goals that they conceded, yeah, yeah, especially the second, yeah. What, what, well, and and something else, Stell, as well. They're two key English leaders on the field, both off with strains. Cooper's look like a really yeah. deep, deep, deep hamstring strain. That'll be six to eight. And Phillips just walked off, um, not quite unconsolable, but like uh, motionless, really, the fact that he's done something that he needs to go straight down the tunnel with. So they've still got issues and problems, and the bigger problems are what you quite rightly say. 
you expect them to concede from set plays and you expect them to score goals that they should uh, concede goals that they shouldn't and that's their, that's part of their DNA at the moment Steve knowing the game that like you do so to speak um when you talk about load and volume mm. what do you think these Leeds players are going through on a on a daily basis when when they're in training and the reason why I ask is because a lot of these injuries again they're muscular so is it an accumulation of constant load and volume over the past few seasons under Bielsa? So obviously, Phillips had the, the Euros, so that's obviously going to play its part. I don't think he had a, a long break between the end of the Euros and, and the league season. We talk about the burnout, but the burnout also comes with mm. the injuries as well, no? Well, I'd be interested to see what Rodri thinks of this because genuinely, he could sprint. I can run, but I can't sprint. He can sprint, so I'll be interested to know what he says. But there's two ways I see a problem with this. Uh, I'm not going to touch on the gym work. I don't know what they do, the weights, how much weights they do, the, the stability work. Not going near that. That's that's not my field. But there's two ways. You have to prepare through the week to how you're going to play on a Saturday. So presumably, they are sprinting like mad all week because they sprint like mad on a Saturday, and eventually. We've always said it, hit, miss or maybe. They're going to sprint somebody off the pitch and win. They're going to leave gaps for some for opposition and they'll win or they'll pick up loads of injuries. Now, the opposite of that is, are they not doing it through the week because they're saving themselves to sprint like mad on a Friday, sorry, on a Saturday, and that's how you get injured on the Saturday because all of a sudden you're going from low load to high intensity. So there's two ways that I only see, uh, like a big red flashing light around it, sprinting like mad all week, sprinting on the Saturday and sprinting just on the Saturday and taking your time through the week so you're at peak condition. Basically, sprinting like mad can have your benefit, but it can also have your cost. What do you think, Rod? You knew it, mate. Yeah, you just got to put the work in with the training. You know, you can't... Uh try and fake it through the week. You've got to put the work in. And, you know, no one knows your body better than yourself. So, um, yeah, you just got to put the work in. And everyone's different. You know, I'm lucky enough. I've got a, I've got a body that, that I could sprint on long distance. Um, so, but they never really picked up hamstrings injuries. They only picked them up when I, when I played charity games, and that's because they really didn't warm up, and didn't stretch. So why do you think? They, why do you think they're possibly getting getting a, a, a trail of them now, Rod? Why do you think that might be? I've covered it twice that it could be, but why? Do you think um, I, I, I think I, I think they pushed them too hard. What through the week? Yeah, you think yeah. maybe. Possibly, I don't possibly, but then then again, it's all monitored now, all this training and stuff. So I don't know how they can fake it through the week. So I, I, I don't, it's it's difficult to say. Mm. Uh, what what was your experience? Do you ever experience it when you was? Well, no, because it's high intensity sprinting. It's 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 not completely new, but everyone's gone mad for it, haven't they? And you know, Stell's just pinpointed the fact that leads are evidence. That Ailing, Bamford, <coughs> Cooper, uh, and Phillips. I have to say, four English lads. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't I know. Do, if that... I do. I do think you can train your body. Train your body to it. 
know, when Liverpool, when Klopp come in, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of injuries that you don't really see them anymore. Yeah. And so I do think there's, there's a way around it. You know, when you're putting this hard work in, in the training, you know, people don't really understand how important it is to when you finish training, go home and rest. Mm-hmm. Don't be doing other activities and, 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 and tiring yourself out. You know, it's your job. So you work hard in training and then you try and go home or, or, and rest as much as you can. And some of these players don't. They've got other activities going on. And they're travelling all over the place, so that that could be a factor as well. Yeah, but, but they're still your question: their injuries and their goals, how they concede goals, are something to monitor because it looks like an ongoing problem. The, the, the reason why I ask that question about the the fitness and and the the load and all that kind of stuff, Steve, is I, I remember the first goal that Leeds conceded from Baptiste. It all started from Brentford's left, which was Leeds' right, and Dallas was on. Henry. And Dallas has played in every position, uh, um, apart from the centre-back, he's played every position. Uh, so he's played right-back, left-back, left back. he's played right-wing, left-wing, centre-mid this season. He's played all 15 games, 90 minutes as well. But the way that he was manhandled, this is a guy that you're expecting is, is, is a bit strong, a bit tough, he can get stuck in, but it's almost as if he was completely brushed off the ball. And I, when I saw it, I thought, nah, I mean, okay, Henry's a strong lad. But you're thinking, come on, Dallas is a physical player, man. We've seen it. You know, we've seen him get stuck in. And he it's almost as if he looked tired more than anything. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. Watch it, when you get the chance to watch it again, just, just see how Dallas was completely... It's as if he wasn't there. Yeah, I can believe it. It, it was bad. It, it was bad. It, is, it is. Well, we're almost at halfway of the season and the pitches are getting heavier. Training, the training pitches are certainly getting heavier. If the stadium pitches are staying pristine... Um, and it's getting colder, which you tend to believe is more likely, you know, to increase muscle injury. And some clubs are out on top of it, and possibly some clubs aren't. And Leeds is definitely one to monitor because they've got a, a profile like now a portfolio of 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 uh, high tariff players. There's one more game I just want to touch on very quickly, and that's uh, Tottenham's three 0 victory over Norwich. Now. The scoreline suggests that it was an annihilation, but it was far from it. There was two big opportunities that Norwich had. And while Conte has come in and we talk about Conte's style and how he's trying to be more defensively astute, Tottenham continue to concede opportunities. And, okay, Norwich were wasteful in front of goal. If Tottenham are playing against a better team, they're getting punished. That's not a 3-0 scoreline, is it? No, and um, I thought Conte was brilliant. Um, he doesn't seem to be silly with the aftermatch stuff. He's not really got loads of adrenaline going through his body, dead balanced. And he just said, happy to win. But if we are to continue to improve, to try and win the bigger prizes, we will have to do better than this. I thought that was too, I didn't think that was damning on Norwich City. I thought that was a message into his dressing room. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant management. Well, Moura's goal, goal, his, his goal just completely knocked the stuffing out of Norwich because that was a fantastic goal. It was very well worked. But again, Norwich had an opportunity to, to level up and you're thinking, all right, we know that Spurs are Spursy. You know, they've got mistakes in them. We saw them capitulate in, in Europe this season. And I think with Conte joining at this stage of the season, or, or when he did, should I say, obviously he didn't have a pre-season. He hasn't been able to bring in the players that he wants. Spurs have 
also had issues defensively. I think Romeo's out injured at the moment, which is a big loss for him because he's, he's their best central defender, really. I know Davison Sanchez scored, um, but at the same time, you know, the, what, what I like about Conte is that, as you said, you know, he wasn't the, the Conte on the touchline gesticulating, yelling, all that kind of stuff. He said at full time, you know, we need to build a foundation here and, and, and grow on it. And I think that's important that Daniel Levy sticks to him because we know his track record as a, as a head coach, Conte, he's successful. We've seen it. I'm not saying that he's going to turn Spurs into title challenges, far from it. But, you know, to get them to a level where they can compete for top four, which is where they want to be first and foremost, he's on the right track. That being said, it's, it's about time and it's about patience. And while beating Norwich City 3-0 is great, you know, when, when you've got United and, and City and Liverpool and all these other teams, Arsenal to come, that's when the proof is in the pudding, right? Absolutely. It feels proper to me now. It feels it's the start of a proper operation. I know they've had, you know, top-class managers, certainly Mourinho, you, 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 were, you knew what you were getting, you felt. Uh, Nuno, you were, he'd earned his chance, whatever choice he was to be their manager, but... You do feel like they've got a proper leader now who won't, won't settle for low standards, low performances or not being successful. I think they're on the right on the right track. I really do. Brighton on the horizon on Sunday. Who've they got? Brighton on the 12th. Tough game. Is that away at home? Away or... Yeah, it's away. It's away. Then they've got Leicester, uh, Leicester away, Liverpool at home. Uh, West Ham so Tottenham have got Brighton away, Leicester and Liverpool. Yep, mm, it's difficult. I'm surprised now how high up they are. That you know, if they win their game in hand, they go fourth. They do. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, ahead of West Ham. So yeah, all to play for. All to play for. Yeah, I'm pretty all sure. Right, boys. Pretty sure they'll, 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 they'll walk the next game, and then they've got two tough games to come. <laughs> One more thing before we wrap it up. There's a message here. Aubameyang is fried. Is that it for him? Agreed. Is he, is he Agreed. done out here? He, he had a glorious chance. Last kick of the game. And he he fluffed it in a big way. It was a side foot. Relatively easy. Could have had a touch, but didn't. Chose to go, to go first time. And you'd expect him to at least hit the target you know, with his quality. And he was six yards wide and it was literally the last kick of the game. It was a really good opportunity and yet blown it. You know, it's, it's, so that's one of the players, unfortunately, you know, he's got his contracts, you know, he likes the flash cars, the, 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 the mirrored kind of cars, likes the flash outfits, likes the, yeah, not for me, not for me at all. So do you think that's what it is then? They've given him the contract and he's, he's just happy to sit on it because at well, least with Harry Kane... Still, before that, he was flying. They've given him yeah. a big contract so you tell me. Yeah. Well, I, I and it's not. Harry... It's not. A, it's not a matter of uh, of performing. It's a matter of work rate, desire, quality. You know, just working for your team. Will you still go for a brick wall? No, he won't because he's he's got his big contracts and, and he's happy to. You know, that's unfortunately these days you don't you don't really you don't really see that back in the day. But unfortunately, you see it a lot these days. They're, they're in it. It's just a job. They don't love it. They don't like it. They don't really. You know, it's not the world. It's they're just in it for a job. They get a payday. And unfortunately, that's what it looks like with Abanya. The thing is with him and Kane, they were two of the most prolific goal scorers in, in, in recent in recent history. 
and they've both gone completely down the toilet. Now, on the one hand, I can see why Harry Kane is, is, isn't is scoring. He's obviously started the season hoping for that move to City. He hasn't worked out. Mourinho leaving, uh, you know, Conte you coming mean, in. You mean still... one of their own, Harry Kane? Well, wasn't he an Arsenal fan growing up? Oh, OK. No, just to clarify that. Go on. I don't know. I think it was an Arsenal fan growing up, wasn't he? But but he seemed at the ground. He seemed one of their own. So yeah, no matter true. what after disputes you've got upstairs, if you play for the fans and the football club, and yeah, you can clearly see down tools quite clearly. So Steve, what's the difference between Kane and Aubameyang? Well, Kane. Well, Kane. Well, like they're, they're dipping form. What, why do you think Kane's you know, a better player originally? Kane's a better player now. And Kane will be a better player in the future. I think Roger probably went near it there in, in terms of temperament and attitude. You, you, you know, it was slightly in question with Kane. Had he had his head turned by Man City and had it affected him? And was he, you know, losing faith in football? But the England the England performances helped with the fixtures they played, etc., to get his hunger back. And you kind of like, well, I'll speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody. You kind of like think that Harry Kane's coming back. And uh, it's just a little spell that strikers go through. And he'll still end up probably with 20 goals. And you're looking, will, will Aubameyang get 10? Because I'm not expecting a mood change from him and I'm not expecting a form change, but I'm expecting both from Harry Kane. No, and, and this, and, and Arteta, it's not good for Arteta because this he made this clown his captain. He's your captain. Mm. And he's the vice-captain as Granite, uh, Xhaka. He's getting sent yeah. off every two minutes. So it's not, you know, he's, he's, he, you, you manage a back show and you can't keep on letting him down because eventually they're not going to go. He's going to go. Yeah, see, this is it. Do, do you remember back in March when we were talking about Aubameyang turning up late for training? That's that's when it all really started, wasn't it? When he, when he was like five. Hmm? Stuff like that, yeah. It was, it was turning up late for training. But, that, that, but that's, you know, <clears throat> would that have happened 20 years ago? It, it had been put in. It had been put in his place by Tony Adams or whoever was there, mm. and that wouldn't have happened. So where's that discipline gone from the Arsenal Football Club? Because Arsenal Football Club was it was steeped in tradition, and now it's got this clown turn away to one of the biggest clubs in, in the country, thinking and he's captain, so he should be leading an example. He should be setting examples, not turning up late. This is where he, this is where Arsenal have got problems. That shouldn't be happening. Full stop. Well, the thing is, we, we we touched on it back in March, and you know, it's not the first time that Aubameyang did something like that. I think he did that when he was at Dortmund as well, and he was pining for a move abroad, and he wanted to leave the club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and this isn't a, a let's smash Aubameyang kind of segment. Um, and look, no, Harry but you've Kane. got young players there as well, still. Who, who you know, easily influenced, and, and, and you know, I'm pretty sure when young players come up, they look at the experienced players to, to guide them and to and to try and follow them in the footsteps. Can't follow this guy, you you just. I was just thinking then, just about the comparison as well. You do get the feeling that Kane is still a team player, and he's chasing every record he can get because he wants a legacy. I'm not sure Bamiang's got the appetite for legacy. I'm not sure he would have chased down Ian Wright's record, chased down whoever it's, you know, well, the next one in front. I don't believe <laughs> no he has the passion. 
Yeah, yeah, one wants to win trophies and one's just down to us because he's been paid. There's a big difference. Okay, fair enough. The, the one thing I will say, though, you mentioned how Aubameyang has got kids at the club and they look up to him. Surely, you know, when, when the kids at Spurs are seeing Harry Kane wanting to play alongside him and then he's, he's saying, I, I don't really want to be here. And there was that big hoo-ha with Levy and the, the statement in the summer. Does, does that reflect no, he, has, he hasn't really got a leg to stand on, mate. He signed a contract, a really good contract. You know, yes, he, back, he probably has had a gentleman's agreement, but come on, that's about as, as useless. It's just useless, isn't it? It's just obviously, you know, he's a big asset. We all know Daniel Levy, what he's like. He's not going to let him go for, for pittance. And that's what he, he, he thought he was going for. So, yeah, he's yeah. not. He's known to be out of joint for six months. I'm sure Daniel Levy's got over it now. And like you say, he's, he seems to have picked up his performances. You know, probably Antonio Conte has that effect on people. He seems like an infectious kind of guy, a bit of an intense guy, but, but a, play, a manager that you definitely want to play for and work hard for. Yeah, he's fine. The thing is, though, on, 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 sorry, in closing, should I say, how much is Kane worth now? Because yeah. obviously his, his, his form has dipped Less. drastically. We've seen the likes of An Antonio banging in goals left, right and centre, you know, who's, you know... Well, this, is, well, this, is, well, this is the problem that, that Tottenham are going to have now because it, it's probably the same price because of his dip, because he doesn't look like the same player. And they, they, they can produce uh, evidence of that. Well, who's it, it it this guy? Look what he's doing last year to look what he's done this year. So... It's going to go against Tottenham, so will they want to sell him for you know, a, a lower price than, than they want? It's just going to go on and on. I'm pretty sure, for me, that they'll dig the reels in. They'll want him to stay and City will move on and get someone else in. And that'll be it. Because City not going to wait around. No. If, um, I'm pretty sure they'll have a target. But they'll have you know two or three behind it because they can't keep going on, even though the quality they've got, they can't keep going on with no number nine. Well, imagine City win the league with only one recognised striker, and he's no, not they, really they, a they're more than more than capable of doing that. To, but to, you know, for year after year after year, come on, they, they, can't, they, they just can't do it. They haven't won the Champions League yet. I don't think they can do it without getting a number nine in. So, yes, they're a great team, but you still have to have as many options as you can. And to have, like, an Sergio Aguero on the bench or to be playing, come on, what would you rather? There you go. All right, boys, it's been another fun episode. Thanks for jumping on. We'll be back very soon. So, I'd ask if you guys want to plug any social media, but I don't think we can be bothered. Unless Rod wants to plug his podcast. You plug your podcast, Rod? Ace Podcast Nation, Friday nights, half seven. Let's go. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll be back next week. <laughs>